the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. I, uh, we're going to change things a little bit and make things a little bit more personalized, I think, uh, this hour. We're going to talk with uh, my guest is Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross an intergenerational trauma expert. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the do's and don'ts if, uh, if, if someone close to you is expressing suicidal thoughts. And uh, Carol joins me by phone. Good morning, Carol. Welcome to the show. Hi. Nice to be with you. Um, let, me, let me ask about this. Um, I have in my notes the do's and don'ts if a loved one expresses suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, when people are expressing suicidal thoughts, are they outright or are there signs we need to look for? Are they are they saying things that maybe aren't easy to recognize? I think it goes up. Both of those can occur. People may say. Things like, I just wish I wouldn't wake up in the morning. I wish I wasn't here. Um, I'm a burden to everybody. And those kinds of thoughts often are a indication that someone may be having suicidal thoughts. But there are also many people who actually attempt suicide or complete suicide who don't say anything. And I think the most important, you know, things to look for are a history of depression and also any history of previous suicide attempts. If someone is severely, severely depressed, you know, they're sitting on the couch, they're not um, taking showers, they're not taking care of their home, etc., then that is an indication of that severe level of depression that might be linked to suicidal risk. Are there common causes for the kind of depression or or feelings that lead to suicide, or is it really different case by case? Yeah, you can look at that from two points, Tom. The, The deepest cause starts actually in childhood, and the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, which, you know, looked at all sorts of different childhood traumas, Um, has shown that if you have had at least one adverse childhood experience, you you can have up to a five times increased risk for attempting suicide. If you have seven 
childhood adversities, and these can include things like having a parent with substance use or a parent with a mental illness, domestic violence in the home, uh, be, being a victim of child abuse, whether it be physical, emotional, or sexual, and so on. So seven or more ACEs is a 31 times increased risk for suicide attempts. So, you know, many of us are, are requesting that there is there be universal screening of children uh, for these adverse childhood experiences so that we can, you know, predict who might be at risk. Another vulnerable group, of course, are veterans. So in, in the veteran population, suicide rates have never been higher than they are right now. I was going to so ask about that because I've been reading about that and I've been talking to uh, some veterans about that and, and uh, I've had the um, uh, national uh, commander for uh, uh, the American Legion on the show a couple times and, and we talk about that and mm-hmm. that's the thing that's getting a lot of attention. We're also beginning to read things about people who are coming sort of out of um, this last couple of years of, of quarantine and lockdowns and, and having some emotional issues, um, possibly depression and possibly leading to suicide. And so I was surprised when you started talking about episodes in childhood um, because we think of these as being stuff that's happening in the moment you know the kind of political divide we have right now the pandemic um, you know soldiers and what they're going through and we think of all this as stuff that's just happening because of the way things are now yeah I I I think it's twofold you know uh, when you been abused as a child or experienced childhood adversity, that puts you in the vulnerable category. And and just like I said with veterans, veterans are also in a vulnerable category. Any exposure to violence, uh, especially prolonged exposure to violence, can increase rates for suicide attempts. But when we're looking at preventing suicides, we want to really look at, you know, that these childhood adversities set people up in adulthood for, for being at risk for depression, anxiety, and also for suicide attempts. And there are also, we can look at vulnerable populations. For example, Native Americans have, and Alaska Natives have the highest suicide rates of any um, ethnic group in the United States. I mean, massively high suicide rates. So when the Centers for Disease Control talks about how can we prevent suicide? They want to target populations where suicide attempts are high. Another one are, are people who live in rural areas. Now, you mentioned the pandemic. So during the pandemic, a lot of people who may have been borderline depressed probably fell over the edge and became even more depressed. Um, people didn't have the same kind of social supports that they had. You know, a lot of people were living alone and didn't know how to reach out or reaching out on online was may have been worse for them than uh, than meeting people in person and so yes during the pandemic the rates for depression anxiety substance use disorders and so on have 
have definitely picked up. Is there is there a way to undo the the depression and 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 perhaps lack of self-esteem that causes people to consider suicide is there a way to um, change that mindset or once they're mm -hmm. prone to that are they really kind of stuck in that in that uh, malaise yeah well I think screening in childhood is the you know the earliest form of prevention possible so if pediatricians would who are, are more and more screening for these adverse childhood experiences, identify children who may be at risk and get help for them and their families. I think that would be, you know, the earliest way we can prevent it because children's brains have not completely formed yet. So they're more malleable. They're more able to make these kinds of changes. When you're looking at adults, uh, particularly adults with depression, anxiety, et cetera, uh, bipolar disorder, uh, we're really looking at secondary prevention. We're looking at treating them with medication and therapy and giving them the help and support they need so that they, uh, that their depression doesn't lead to a suicide attempt. And I think there's, you know, there's a lot of problem in our medical system right now in, getting treatment for any mental health issue, including substance use disorders. As you know, the uh, rate of overdoses from uh, drugs and alcohol reach, I, I think, a record high of 100,000 people who overdose this year. And so any of the mental health issues carry this stigma, and they also carry a deficit in uh, insurance providing for care. And so many people who, you know, may be underinsured or whose insurance doesn't offer mental health care are just out of luck. Where do they go if they're feeling depressed or, or suicidal if their insurance isn't going to cover it? And so I think that's, that's one of the big issues that really needs to be addressed once and for all, that every insurance needs to provide you know, extensive and adequate care for mental health issues. Do you have any sense for how many people um, consider suicide but get the help they need to turn things around, or is it just impossible to keep track of all that? I, I think I have seen uh, statistics on that. I, I don't have that at my fingertips right now. But, yeah, many, many, many thousands more attempt suicide and don't complete it, luckily. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, let's see. Oh, here I have it. Twelve million seriously have thought about suicide in the last year. 3.2 million made a plan for suicide, and 1.2 million attempt suicide. So of all the people who think about suicide, only 10% actually attempt suicide. But that's still a lot of people, 1.2 million people attempt suicide. And 
you know, suicide rates have increased between 2000 and 2018, and it's one of the leading causes of death in the United States. There's over 45,000, almost 46,000 people who died by suicide, who died by suicide in 2020. So there's one death every 11 minutes from suicide. I don't want to get into the politics of this, but um, of those million people, um, how many of those do you suppose involve a gun? And does American gun culture maybe make it easier to consider suicide? Well, we know that um, men who attempt suicide usually are more prone to use a firearm. And so that's, women, it's not so much, but definitely for men that statistic is. Uh, but firearms are used in at least half of all suicide deaths. And suicides make up three in every five gun deaths. So suicide by far, firearm is is you know it's it's a really big issue and yeah I don't want to get into yeah I don't want to get into whether you're for the Second Amendment or against no, it or I anything like either. that but but it's it's not really a stretch and it's not getting too political to say America has a love affair with guns there are a lot of mm -hmm. guns in our society and I just wonder if that makes uh, the suicide rate higher here than it is say in uh, um, Norway or Italy or the UK? Yeah, I would say it definitely we know that, I mean, there are the countries that have higher suicide rates than we do, but they tend, surprisingly, to be more likely to be, uh, you know, third world countries than, than, the, than uh, westernized countries. Hmm. So some... You know, for example, uh, some of the countries in Africa, South America are above, uh, and even South Africa are above. Well, their rates are higher than our rates. Um, but in terms of guns, I don't think, I, I would be surprised if any of them have suicide rates higher by firearms than the United States, because as you know, we have more guns than probably any developed nation in the world. Most of the developed countries, you know, in Europe and so on, have very stringent gun laws, and many of those gun laws came about from the same kinds of problems that we're seeing, you know, the mass shootings and all of that. Um, but we haven't been able to come to a reckoning about that yet, so... Carolyn, I have to take a uh, short break, but I want to talk some more about this. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Sure. All right. Absolutely. My guest is Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross, uh, an intergenerational trauma expert. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, suicide, and we're going to get into what some of the do's and don'ts are if someone close to you expresses suicidal thoughts with uh, Carolyn when we return. If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM Flint, we're going to let them squeeze a few words or in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, 
we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click Hello, that Hello, darling. Button. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about the do's and don'ts uh, when dealing with someone who expresses thoughts of suicide with intergenerational trauma expert and my guest this hour, Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross. And Carolyn, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, that was fun. Thank you. Um, you know, it's... I, 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 I'm not sure how, how much I want to share about this because I still to this day feel kind of kind of dumb about it. But I was in a position once where somebody, um, first of all, to put it in context, when I was growing up, my dad was one of these guys who told you whatever it was, if you fell down and skinned your knee or you cracked your finger in a car door or whatever, to walk it off. Mm-hmm. He was just one of those guys. You know, he wasn't mean about it or anything. He just, you know, thought you should be tough enough to, you know, just recover on your own, etc. And so I've found myself developing that habit a little bit. And I was I was with somebody I wasn't particularly close to, but, um, you know, it was a co-worker kind of situation who mm-hmm. said in so many words, I think I'll just commit suicide. And he'd been complaining about a uh, uh, failed romance. Mm-hmm. And I I can't remember if I, I, I know I didn't say walk it off, but, you know, I, I said something like, you know, man up or there's more fish in the sea or something, you know, that was fairly mm-hmm. dismissive. And later that night, he attempted suicide. Oh, my. And okay. I have felt horrible about that yeah. ever since. So when I saw that on your list of don'ts, I just, I had, <laughs> I had a little bit of a flashback, Carolyn. <laughs> and, yeah. and was reminded how... Um, just simply because no one had told me what yeah. you're sharing with people today. And I think, I think your experience is, is so, so common. You know, most Americans don't feel comfortable talking about these issues. And often they think, well, why didn't that person just, you know, just toughen up? Just Yeah, exactly. Just, you, sh- you shouldn't be thinking about suicide. And so they dismiss it. I think mainly from discomfort and lack of knowledge, really, more than anything. And it's, you know, it doesn't make someone attempt suicide, but it doesn't necessarily help keep them from attempting suicide. So I think it's important for people to understand how to address a coworker or anyone who comes to them and expresses these kinds of thoughts, even if you think they're not serious. Well, and you know, the I thing is, I, you never really know how serious someone yeah. is. And just exactly. because I wouldn't think of it as a serious option doesn't mean someone else wouldn't. That's exactly right, Tom. And I think it's important for people to recognize that I always had a, uh, a thing in my office that if a patient said anything that could be construed as suicidal, we took it seriously, and you know, obviously, in a medical office, that's 
really important. But I think even in a social context, it's important when someone says things like that to come back with, are you serious? You know, are you seriously thinking of taking your own life? And I know that many people are so, they think that that's going to make someone go and try to kill themselves. But talking openly about it and asking them if they actually have a plan to kill themselves is it, the right thing to do. Um, because then you know, once you know that they're serious, then at least you can help them to get help. Like if you're, if you really are serious and you have a plan to kill yourself, you know, I'm very concerned and I want to, I want to get help for you. I want to help you get help. And just, I think, expressing your support and concern is, is very important. Even if it is a, what we may think of a, a frivolous issue like a breakup or something like that, um, you know, there are a lot of fish in the sea, but for that particular person, that they may not see that at this time. So being able to express concern for them, just saying, look, I, I hear what you're saying, and that makes me worried. I'm concerned let's, for you. Let's let's talk about some of the don'ts because some of them, like I said, that that one, that one haunted me a little bit, Carolyn, and for all the right yeah. reasons, I think. But um, one of the things that you say not to do is to tell someone who has expressed uh, maybe a, 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 an interest in in committing suicide or or suicidal thoughts that it's it it's morally wrong to commit suicide or for example yeah. suicide's illegal <laughs> or you yeah, won't go right. to heaven if you right. commit suicide yeah. um because that doesn't that doesn't change doesn't the way they're feeling them. no it doesn't change the way they're feeling when you're at that point which is the lowest point any human being can ever be at, it's the last, the last thing you're thinking about is whether it's legal or morally right to, to kill yourself. And so it doesn't change the feeling and it doesn't make them feel heard. It doesn't make them feel like somebody cares about them uh, to say that you know it's wrong or it's illegal or you're going to go to you're not going to go to heaven if you commit suicide. I think intellectually people know those kinds of things already, and if they're at the point where they want to harm themselves, that's the last thing they're thinking about, and it it can make them feel worse. Well, it's like telling a smoker that smoking is bad for their health. You know, they know yeah. that. they know that <laughs> already. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then there's 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 a couple of course there's there's my mistake the the shake it off or think positively you know just yeah. change your mind about this um, but then you also say don't argue or threaten them and no. and don't promise to keep it a secret. Exactly. I, I found that I, think I found that, that kind really of, important. Yeah, I thought that was kind of. Um, kind of interesting because I, I would be inclined to, you know, keep someone's secret. Yeah, I think it's a natural, you know, feeling to honor their request to not tell anybody. But again, this is a, 
this is serious business. And, you know, keeping a secret can only lead to you being the, per the only person who, who knows that perhaps this suicide could have been prevented. And so that's, that makes it hard for you if they actually go through with it. And obviously, it doesn't help the other person. And, you know, I just want to say, Tom, I think this whole conversation is really difficult to have. You know, I have had a suicide in my my own family. Mm. And, you know, as a physician and and, and even as a, just a person, um, when when someone in your family or someone you know commits suicide, it's it's incredibly devastating. And you start thinking of all the things you could have, would have, should have said or done. And not all of them will work. And so that's why I really encourage people who have, has a coworker or a friend or a family member who's expressing these kinds of suicidal thoughts or who is simply at risk for suicide because of their depression or previous suicide attempt to not try to intervene by themselves. You know, if you're talking to someone like this, get, get help for them. Get yeah, you say don't try, to fix, don't try to fix it on your own, but reach out and get help. And, and I think I, I intentionally wanted to leave that one to last um, because I'm not sure most of us would know exactly where to turn to get help for ourselves or yep. someone else. You know, there's the suicide hotlines in every city in the country. There's the National Suicide Hotline. See, you know, uh, we see those advertised all the time, Carolyn, but it's almost as if that we look at them as though they're reserved for people who are thinking about suicide, but not a place where you can call to get resources to help someone else. I think it really is a resource, and uh, I would I would call, and if you can get the person who, who's expressing suicide suicidal thoughts to call, that's a, another bonus. But if you can call with them and put them on the phone, those are people who are trained in how to deal with this so that you don't have to feel alone. And it's, it's really important to, you know, to have someone else to, to be able to uh, speak to that person. So the suicide prevention prevention hotline is 800-273-8255. Um, it, it, the person you're speaking with may actually, actually already be under the care of a psychiatrist, so you may be able to call their psychiatrist and help them get an appointment that's urgent. If all else fails, take them to the emergency room. And the emergency rooms are also equipped to screen people for suicidal ideation and to refer them for care. So I think the most important message here is take it seriously and express your care and concern and help the person get help. Now, one of the things that you say is, is express your concern and, and support. Um, and and in this uh, in in my notes, I I have something here that says uh, let them know some of the things you've noticed that mm -hmm. cause you uh, concern. You know, if they're yeah. not grooming, if they're not, you know, if they're skipping work, if uh, 
they've been crying a lot or something and 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 without them actually saying something you know something's wrong and that's probably a good time to step in and say you know it looks like something's wrong and i want to help yes exactly and being able to give them uh, the the concrete observations is really helpful like i've noticed that you're you know you're not taking care of yourself I've noticed that you're sleeping more more than usual, or sleeping all the time. Um, that you're not going to work, or that you're skipping, calling in sick, etc. I've noticed that you're at the same you're in the same place on the couch as when I left for work. You know, anything that is that's, concrete that you can observe. That's been a little tough to um, uh, to to really zero in on during the pandemic because so many people yeah so many people so have many, been so many of us are on the couch yeah we're and we're binge watching uh, netflix and yeah. hulu and the bbc or we're sleeping more yeah. eating more you know doing things um but then you know the question is when you are put in a position like that can that bring about um feelings of depression you mean being in the pandemic? Yeah, are are mm-hmm. are some of those, and and this is what makes it so complicated because some people may be exhibiting signs of that, and others may just be killing time because they've really got nothing else to do right now. Well, but you know, during the pandemic, the rates of depression have skyrocketed. I would think so. We know that when people are isolated, they don't have their usual support systems. Uh, people are fearful, uh, angry. You know, there's a lot of anger around the pandemic. No matter what your political affiliation is, there's a lot of fear around it. And there's a lot of loss around it. People who've lost a loved one, who weren't even able to have a funeral for a loved one. People who've lost maybe a child during the pandemic. Um, those Those are all risk for suicide. And so... And if you are speaking to someone even on Zoom and they appear to be despondent or they're, they're negative or they are missing their Zoom calls, that's another reason to inquire. And, you know, I, I think in the olden days, even when I grew up, we used to live more in community in the United States. There used to be, you used to know your neighbors, Yeah, is what I say. Yeah, and now it's not not so much the case. I mean, I had one of my neighbors during the pandemic come over because I uh, absentmindedly left my uh, car door open for hours. <laughs> I, <just> got, <laughs> I got busy when I was taking groceries in and forgot to come back and close it. But that was really reassuring to me that he even noticed, you know, that I had left my car door open. And I think yeah, for, good many, for him. many people... Yeah, that's what I said. I I thanked him. But for many people, they live really in isolation and nobody, they don't know anyone around them. And that's very risky. And so I I just wish we were uh, able to at least express concern to the people who we do know and not be so reticent about reaching out and saying, hey, I, I noticed you're wearing the same um, pajama top on our Zoom calls as you did last week or or whatever. 
and uh, I'm being funny now, but seriously, though, if you notice any of those things and reaching out and just saying, are you okay? Just want to make sure you're okay. Um, now, there's there's another thing in my notes here. It says that you should... Um, that you should talk openly and not be afraid to ask someone if they have a plan to kill themselves. Oh. Uh, under what circumstances should you feel comfortable saying, well, are you thinking about killing yourself? I mean, should it be someone you're especially close to, or would that seem a little strange from somebody that was more of a casual acquaintance? I think this is usually occurs in people that you're close to because you're close enough to notice that they're having problems. But even in the situation you mentioned, Tom, you may not say, do you have a plan to kill yourself? But you you may have been able to say something like, you know, I hear what you're saying and I'm sorry about your breakup, but are you serious that you don't want to, that you're are you serious about taking your own life or are you serious about whatever he expressed to you that made you wonder if he was, um, you know, suicidal? I think it's important. Important. Wh whoever the person comes up to and feels comfortable enough to say these things to and, and, and they may feel comfortable to say it to someone who's not really close to them. Um, it's just inquiring, are you okay? Are you are you serious? Do I need to be concerned? Let's talk to someone. How can I help? Expressing your support and concern is the most important thing that you can do. Another, another thing. Thinking. Another thing that that you talk about that um, might be a little a little dicey is uh, removing potential means. Uh, potential means for suicide, like if there's a yeah, gun that's, that's tricky. trying to unload a gun or remove a gun, or I, I would think even going so far as to go through medicine cabinets and, and look for pills mm -hmm. and things. Um, that that seems like it, it might become a little confrontational. How, how do you recommend people deal with that if, if, if they think that... Uh, an attempted suicide is fairly imminent. You know, I, I think that would have to be on an individual basis. Uh, if the person has a physician, you can call the physician. Even though the physician can't give you any information, you could let the physician know, uh, I'm concerned about so-and-so, my husband, and there is a gun in the house, and, you know, what can I do? Um, if you're if the person is unwilling to get help and there is a gun on the house, in the house, I know that there are rules and laws now about people who are vulnerable having access to weapons. And we've, we've seen this come up over and over and over with the mass shootings, right? Of course. That parents know that the child has a gun and or they bought the child a gun and that child then becomes angry and uh, either suicidal or homicidal. So, again, we, we have to take this seriously. I, I wouldn't do anything that would risk your own safety, that's for sure. So if you're concerned for your safety, you should leave 
the the area and and get help either from a healthcare professional or from um, uh, law enforcement. Uh, but we, you know we can't just ignore this because then if that's your husband or if that's your child and and they do commit suicide, you know that's going to be really hard. Well, there was a uh, recently there was a um, kind of a high profile suicide when uh, country superstar Naomi Jed took her own life. When yeah. someone well known, someone very public, commits suicide. Does that make people that are thinking about it more or less likely to go through with it? Yeah, that's a, a really good question, and you know, I don't, I don't think that that the um, the statistics bear that out at all. Um, but I think it definitely, if someone is on the verge, it may make them um, have. You know, if they have been depressed and they see this, we've seen this in teenagers where, you know, someone at a school, for example, will commit suicide in, in their, in high school. And then, you know, two or three other people or one or two other people who may not have been actively suicidal will uh, attempt suicide. So it is a concern for sure. And it's, you know, if you have somebody who, in your life who is severely depressed, um, that's a time, that's a good excuse to have that conversation about, you know, this has happened and how are you feeling about it? How are you feeling about your own health? And I know for, it sounded like from the Judd family's uh, statement that they made that this had been going on for some time and she had been, uh, suicidal for quite some time and I know in my personal situation with the family member who committed suicide they have been suicidal for almost 10 years and at some point you know if someone is really determined to kill themselves there's not a whole lot you can do uh, we can we can have all of these things that we talk about but again you can't you know hold yourself accountable if they actually go through with it well, Carolyn, the the time has just flown by, and we're we're almost out of time. And I, I first want to say thank you for sharing your expertise and and thoughts with me and the listeners this morning. But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Do you have a website that that um, you'd like to recommend or share? Sure. My website is just my name, carolynrossmd.com. That's carolyn, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-R-O-S-S-M-D.com. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for spending this time with me. It's uh, It's been a real pleasure, and keep up the good work. And thank you, Tom. It's been a fun being on your show. All right. Take care. Again, that's uh, Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross, MD, an intergenerational trauma expert, talking about the do's and don'ts if a loved one or someone close to you expresses suicidal thoughts. We're going to take a uh, short break, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com. We have some uh, messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be back with the final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program 
right after this. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom It's Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. 
Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. There's a book written called Psychological Studies of Famous Americans, and it examines from a psychological viewpoint uh, Robert E. Lee and Ulysses S. Grant and uh, Walt Whitman, people like this, and tries to explain in terms of psychology why these people acted the way they did, that they really did not act from... uh, from valor or anything else, that there were deep psychological problems these people had, and that's why they reacted the way they did. One person they skipped that I thought would be a great subject for analysis, if they had analysis when he was around, was uh, Ben Franklin. I think he... (laughs) I think this man is ripe for analysis. So this is uh, Ben's analyst. And he's in a typical analyst's office. He has a, a, a desk and a chair and a couch and an intercom. Yeah, uh, who, who, uh, who is it, Murray? Ben, ben Franklin. Um, can, I, uh, can I duck him, Murray? <laughs> he's, he's, he's standing right there in the office. He's, he's dripping all over the rugs. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, send him in, Mary. Uh, uh, Mary, how, how's he doing on his account? Uh, th- three months behind, huh? Yeah, he's, he's thrifty, all right, Mary. All right, send him in, send him in. Well, hi, hi there, Ben. How are you today? Good. Ben, you want to you wanna lie down on the couch there? Uh, ben, you want to put some papers down on the couch so... <laughs> Don't uh, don't get the couch all wet. Well, I'd, I'd say from the looks of our clothes, we've been uh, flying the kite again in the rainstorm, right, Ben? <laughs> okay, Ben. Um, we copied down our dreams, did we? Mm-hmm. You, you didn't have to. It's the same one. You're you're walking down the street. And you, you find a half dollar, and your face is on it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty sick, Ben, you know that? <laughs> Washington has the same dream, only he sees his face on paper. Huh? You want to you give George my number, uh, Ben? <laughs> 
Okay, Ben, let's, let's see if we can't get to the bottom of this kite fixation thing. Um, the, uh, the lightning knocked you down again, uh, did it, Ben? <laughs> you're, you're not surprised by that, though, are you, Ben? I mean, you, you expect it to knock you down, don't you? <laughs> you know, Ben, uh, you being a founding father and all, you know, it, uh, it doesn't exactly inspire confidence in people to see a, you know, a grown man flying a kite, you know? <laughs> Too bad it, it, it isn't something a little more private, you know, you could, you could do in the privacy of your own room, like uh, spinning a top, you know, <laughs> some, something like that. You ever, ever thought of spinning a top, Ben? Wouldn't, wouldn't knock you down. Hmm? That's, that's important to you, is it, Ben? The, hmm? Okay, let, let me see if I have the picture now, Ben. Uh, <clears throat> you're flying your kite, all right, Ben? And you're letting out the string. Everything's the same as usual. There's, there's something different this time. You, you use strips of cloth for the tail. Red, white, and blue strips of cloth. <laughs> where'd, uh, where'd you get the red, white, and blue strips of cloth, Ben? From, from Betsy Ross. <laughs> she, she's got plenty of it. She, she's up to wearing it, Ben? <laughs> now, uh, Be uh, Betsy gave you the cloth, did she, Ben? You, you took the cloth. A, a penny saved is a penny earned. <laughs> why, uh, 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 why didn't you ask uh, Betsy for the cloth, Ben? She thinks you're a sissy because you wear bows on your shoes. <laughs> and, and she chased you down the street yelling, you're not thrifty, you're cheap. <laughs> she, uh, she could have something there, Ben. Not, nothing, nothing, Ben. Mm -hmm. why, uh, why didn't you uh, pay Betsy uh, for, for the cloth, Ben? Keep what is dear to you if, if you would prosper. Ben, I, I think we can get a lot more done if, if you drop the little homilies after, after each, uh, each statement. Ben, we don't seem to be getting anywhere with, with a kite thing. Uh, let's switch to something else. How, how are the inventions uh, coming along, Ben? You, you got lucky this morning. You, you don't have to wear your bifocals anymore. The, the lightning fused your glasses to your eyeballs. <laughs> what, uh, what are you going to call them, Ben? Con contact lenses. <laughs> ben, I, I, uh, I sure would like to be more optimistic about your condition, but... Um, <laughs> Afraid I'm going to have to recommend a shock treatment, Ben. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to do it because there are always uh, undesirable side effects. Well, what, what we do, Ben, is uh, we stick you inside the Liberty Bell and, uh, and we, <coughs> we uh, ring it a couple times, you know. Well, uh, the problem is you, you, you quiver for about two or three years, you see. <laughs> Ben, I'm afraid our time is almost up. We'll see you uh, next, next Thursday then. <laughs>
Right. Goodbye, Ben. You get him, Mary? He ran ran out already, huh? (laughs) This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Well, hey, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Thanks for tuning in, and I want to say thanks to all of the uh, guests that I had on the show. Uh, Starting with uh, my guest this hour, um, Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross, talking about suicide. And uh, before that, talking about... um, Oh, his book, The Fifth Horseman and the New Mad, by Dr. Harlan Ullman. And we started out the first hour talking about Supreme Court with Brendan Beery from WMU, uh, Cooley Law in Tampa. And we'll be back tomorrow with Armchair Politics. Good night, everybody. is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.